I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be spending the vast majority of it actually taking your questions. Uh, there's been a couple of shows recently in which I've rambled on for way too long, and as a consequence of that, because of time restraints, the Q&A section at the end was really short. Not really good enough on my part. So I wanted to do a show that was uh, focused mainly on your questions. So I'm going to talk a little bit at the start. Going to bring you up to speed with a couple of uh, the latest transfer rumours. I'm going to give you uh, the latest information that is doing the rounds. And then uh, we're going to focus solely on taking your questions from the live chat. So please do start getting them in from now. The more the merrier. Um, I haven't got any content prepared. So if you don't ask any questions... It's going to be a pretty damn short podcast, so get involved, start getting your questions in there, and I'll get through as many of those as I possibly can. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you're watching us on uh, YouTube, then please do leave a like on the video. If you are uh, listening to us via your preferred podcast platform, podcast store, whatever you want to call it, then please do, of course, uh, make sure that you are subscribed there, and please do leave us a review. I say be subscribed on the podcast be subscribed on the YouTube channel as well. If you want to go one further and you want to be subscribed to the Chronicles of Aguna on the Another Slice platform, you'll get access to exclusive members-only content. You can see it up on your screens. Now, in order to sign up, you need to go over to Chronicles of a... No, you need to go to anotherslice.com slash Chronicles of Aguna. The link is in the description below. Uh, you need to create your account on the Another Slice platform, download the app, log in, uh, and make sure that you're... no. What am I doing? I'm all over the place. You need to log in via the website to subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna. Once you've done that, so you've created your account, you've subscribed, then you can download the Another Slice app, log in with your account, and you'll be able to access all that additional content with your fingertips. I think I can bring up a separate tab for the premium stuff. Can we? There we go. Uh, so this is the most recent premium stuff. So uh, we had, of course, uh, player ratings from Brighton, from Newcastle, uh, from Oxford United. But we also had a couple of uh, special pieces in there as well. We talked about the reporting around Mikel Arteta. We talked about the importance of the FA Cup to Arsenal. And the next bit of content is dropping tomorrow. And that is a bit of a discussion around Kieran Tierney. So I'm looking forward to uh, sharing that piece with you guys. I'm interested to hear your thoughts uh, on Kieran Tierney, because I think... A lot of people have been a little bit surprised by the gap in quality, seemingly, between him and Alexander Zinchenko, at least in possession. Um, so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into that in a lot more detail. OK, let's get some uh, let's get some hellos in before we uh, turn to the latest transfer news. Afsar is with us. Uh, Mario Romano, James Kelly, 33 Fivers, Roger Brooks. Uh, Jordan Davis, we've got Craig from Fort Lauderdale, we've got Mafia Boss, Daniel Da Costa, um, Nav is with us, Eric is with us, who says, I hope you're great, mate. Uh, I rarely get to the live YouTube show, so I'm happy when I catch it. Big up. We're happy to have you, mate. Thank you uh, so, so much. Amira joins us from Singapore and says, good morning from Singapore, Harry. 3.30 a.m. 
watching you before bed. Wow, I'm honoured because I would not stay up to watch anybody at 3.30 a.m. So thank you, uh, of course, uh, so, so much. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Ayoku says, greetings from Canada, Harry. Do you still use the 90-minute email? You did not respond to my inquiry. Let me make a note of that to look it up. I get so many emails, mate, that sometimes things do unfortunately fall through the cracks. Uh, so I do apologize if I've overlooked an email. I will search uh, for that and uh, and come back to you, mate. Um, I will. I promise. And apologies about that. Uh, before we get into it, Eric says, I remember giving you a hard time about Xhaka once, and I'm here to eat my words and say I'm really happy uh, I was wrong. Uh, he also goes on to ask a question, which I'll touch on in just a minute. Hold fire on that one. Let me star it. Let me favor it. Uh, so that I can come back to that. Um, what else have we got? Uh, big hello to uh, my namesake uh, over uh, in Germany. He's waiting to leave Germany. He says that keep up the good work. Thank you uh, so, so much. That's how you spell it in Greek, by the way, if you're wondering. That's not his name. Um, but yeah, that's what it is. Okay, right. Let's do the questions. Let's get into it. Should we do the questions or should we do the transfer stuff first? Let's quickly do the transfer stuff first. Let's get it out of the way. Then we only have to focus on questions. As you can tell, I'm not very organized today. I've been at a funeral today, uh, hence the the black attire um, and the beard and all of that, um, which is why we're doing this podcast at a much later time as well. Um, but yeah, all good. We're here and we're live and we're ready and uh, and we're good to go. Okay, so just quickly on the transfer news, there were reports within the last sort of 48 hours or so that Arsenal had reached a breakthrough with Shakhtar Donetsk. Those reports were doing... The rounds on social media. I remember just before the kickoff against Oxford United on Monday, being inside the Kassam Stadium and sort of scrolling through Twitter prior to the game and seeing that, you know, people saying Mudrick incoming, people with the little sand timer emoji and all of that stuff trying to, you know, suggest that this deal was at a point where it's almost complete, almost agreed. Actually, though, a couple of uh, very reputable sources have come out today and said that is not the case that this is not a deal that is dead by any stretch of the imagination. It's not finished. Arsenal still expect and hope that they can do a deal between now and the end of the transfer window. But reports that this deal is on the verge of being agreed are false and are incorrect, it seems. So are Arsenal actually making progress with Mihailo Mudrik? I think they're making some progress, but it very much feels like slow progress. And I think, as I've said to you guys throughout the duration of this window so far, this is one that's going to rumble on. Any deals that you want to get done in January often take a while. The club selling want to get the best deal that they possibly can because it's January, but also because they haven't had an asset like Mihailo Mudrik for a long, long time. Shakhtar Donetsk, they've got lots of problems, which I keep talking about off the pitch, which the money that they could potentially recuperate from this deal goes some way in easing. Um, they don't stop the money doesn't stop the war, obviously, in Ukraine, and it doesn't stop people suffering. But what it does is it secures the future of Shakhtar Donetsk and their operation for a little bit longer, which is what they'll be looking to do. Mihailo Mudrik has traveled to Turkey with Shakhtar Donetsk for their training camp. But that doesn't mean, again, as I say, that a deal is dead. Chelsea have also uh, briefed the media today uh, by saying that actually their interest in Mihailo Mudrik wasn't all that serious. Don't know if I believe that. Um, it, they feel like that kid that copies your homework, don't they? That sits next to you, uh, copies your homework, um, you know, copies your your answers and, and tries to get 
uh, top marks off of your back. That's what Chelsea feel like. It looks like they go into the transfer window, not really knowing what they want to do, not really having a plan and sort of looking at clubs that they maybe believe are recruiting well at the moment, stealing their ideas, and then they try and steal their players by offering uh, large financial sums. But Mihailo Mudrik, it seems, has indicated to his people, to any other potential suitors, that Arsenal is the club he wants to join, which is great. But now we've got to strike a deal with Shakhtar Donetsk. And at the moment, that is proving very, very difficult. The other bit of news um, that I wanted to share with you guys was uh, that, of course, uh, it's being said uh, that Danilo, the Palmeiras midfielder that Arsenal were heavily linked with, is closing in on a move to Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest. I mean, I'm not that shocked because Nottingham Forest have signed pretty much half of Europe uh, over the course of the last sort of, um, you know, six, eight months, whatever. But if Danilo really is this prodigious talent, is that the word? Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say? If he really is that, then why is he even open to a move to Nottingham Forest? Why would he even consider that? doesn't make sense. Uh, So I'm not really... uh, you know, I'm not really as fussed about this as, as some might be. People have said to me that he's the answer and Arsenal should absolutely be doing everything they can to bring him in the door. And, you know, it would be a mistake not to go there and do this in in this, you know, current window. But for me, a bit like the Mudrick thing, I haven't seen Danilo play very much. I don't know an awful lot about Danilo. I've seen highlights. I've seen uh, compilations, all of that stuff. But outside of that, my knowledge on him is very, very poor. So it's difficult for me to say that he's worth anything. Even if 20 million feels like a, a very nominal amount of money these days in the world of football, in in sort of top flight football, I'm not bothered. You know, we heard a few months ago that Arsenal's interest in this player had called and then there were suggestions from Brazil that actually it had been reignited. Actually, I would challenge both of those uh, opinions and probably say that based on this evidence, based on the fact that Arsenal were seemingly quite okay with just backing off and letting him go to Nottingham Forest, it, to me, suggests that Arsenal actually probably weren't ever half as interested as anybody made out. They, you get this a lot now with Arsenal, right? You've got Edu at the top of the tree, Brazilian. Every Brazilian player that is seen as someone with the potential to go on and achieve more and to go on and play in Europe and be successful will be linked with Arsenal because of the Edu connection. I think that is a, a very real thing. And I think we've got to be mindful of that when trying to judge or assess how serious the interest in these players really is. Anyway, uh, the other thing I wanted to just quickly touch on is the new graphics uh, that have been placed on the outside of Emirates Stadium. We knew that some renovation work was being done. We knew that things were changing. We knew that the team, uh, that, sorry, that the um, the stadium was going to have a new look uh, moving forward. We were told it would be ready in the new year. And it seems that it is. And Arsenal have put out a tweet in which they um, they sort of put up a video which kind of highlights this and, and shows you a little bit about the designs. We'll, um, I'll mute that so that you can't hear it, but you can see it on the screen now. So there it is. There's the first bit. Uh, welcome to North London, home of the Arsenal. Really like that. Then you've got some banners uh, from the various supporters clubs, which is uh, really, really cool to see. Uh, when you flip over to the other side of the stadium, there's one of the marble halls. That, for me, is the is my favourite. That really does sort of highlight the history and tradition of Arsenal Football Club. I love that. And then there's, of course, stuff with the Invincibles 
um, you know, various other uh, successful Arsenal players from the past, people like Lottie Rocastle, Tony Adams in there, going right back to the 30s, 1886, uh, represented as well, which is fantastic. Um, you take it on a little bit further, uh, you know, again, more more brilliant stuff. Even some of the uh, Arsenal women's uh, legends uh, being sort of included on that as well, which is also great to see. So, yeah, I mean, let me know what you think about it. I mean, it looks it looks nice. Uh, the marble halls bit was the bit that got me gassed. I'm not going to lie. The rest of it is nice too, and it's pleasant. But that was the bit for me that really, uh, really jumped out. So that's my update. Arsenal revealing the Emirates Stadium artwork. Mikhailo Mudrik still very much likely, I would say, to become an Arsenal player between now and the window. But any reports that told you that that was close or that that was done uh, or that that was agreed have been rubbished since then by some people that I would say are probably a lot more trustworthy and a lot closer to the situation and certainly have the right lines in to the people that matter. Okay, question time. Let's move. Let's go. Uh, let's see what you guys uh, are coming up with. Uh, John Smith says, uh, who would be your alternative target if we can't get Mudrick? This is really difficult, John, because what, what's happened to me over the last few years, right? Since I've been podcasting and, and sort of working in, in the broadcasting world, I often get asked these types of questions, right? Who would you go and get, Harry? Who would you go out and try and bring to the football club? Who do you think is the solution? And the problem is, uh, John, that I don't get paid millions of pounds to be the guy that identifies talent. I don't I don't actively go out there looking for players of a certain profile so that I can work out whether or not they fit. Now, if a player is, is in my eyeline, shall we say, if I come across a player and I think he's a good fit, then often I'll dive into them a little bit more. The difficulty here with with this one is that I know that Arsenal are going to have to play uh, are going to have to pay a real inflated amount of money in order to get somebody in this window because that's the way the January window works, right? So the reason I was quite open to the Joao Felix thing was it was a relatively, as I say, modest amount of money in football. It's not a modest amount of money for you or I, but in football it is a modest amount of money. And I felt that he was somebody that could come in, despite what other people say, I felt that he was somebody that could come in and that could impact the team straight away. And it felt like a short-term solution with just a little bit of risk financially that would allow us to kind of boost our team's chances in the short term without committing to someone who might be the wrong someone um, with 70, 80 million pounds and almost giving us more time to do that. And, and deals tend to be kinder and easier to do in the summer. So that was my view. So because of that, I didn't really spend an awful lot of time looking at alternatives. And because the the reports linking us with Mikhailo Mudrik have been so strong and that story has been so prevalent, I haven't sat down and looked at others. I do like the look of Diaby at Bayer Leverkusen. He's somebody I would consider. I think he's improved greatly uh, over the last sort of 12, 18 months. He is someone I would consider and someone who I'd imagine is attainable. But he's been linked with other clubs at the moment. He's been linked with Newcastle United. I think he would he would suit us. Outside of him, outside of Joao Felix, it's, it's difficult for me to say. We know the Joao Felix option is gone now. That signing um, completed by Chelsea has now been confirmed. So he definitely won't be Arsenal bound. But 
yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying not to get sucked into this transfer talk too much in terms of, you know, going out there and putting putting players up as players that I would like us to sign because very rarely does that happen. Very rarely are you singing from the same hymn sheet as the football club. And then what happens is you you get worked up and you get disappointed. And because Arsenal have been doing so well on the pitch, it hasn't been one of those windows where you're like, oh my God, we need to bring in five, six, seven players. Like the, the way we've gone into summers of recent years where we've gone, shit, man, you know, we need a serious overhaul. We need to go out and we need to make big moves here. This team is a good team. It's a strong team, especially the first 11. And with a Smith row coming back now, you look at it and you think we've got another option. Reese Nelson isn't a million miles away. Gabriel Jesus isn't even a million miles away. So the need for us to go out and get a winger, I think, is there. But I don't think it's as desperate as we have been in recent years. And as a consequence of that, I've gone into the window quite relaxed. And I haven't been sitting there, you know, scouring the internet, looking through players to try and identify the ones I think are right. So if Arsenal think that Mudrik is the right man, then to a degree, I will back them on that. I don't think that the price is necessarily reflective of what he's achieved in football so far. And I've made that very, very clear. But it's not my money. It's Arsenal's money. And if they feel that that is a worthwhile investment, you kind of have to trust them because in terms of their recruitment recently, it's been really, really good. Really good. Okay, let's uh, let's take some more of your questions. Chris Carrick says, hey, all traveling to London in April with my wife and son. Anyone know if Red members can buy multiple tickets? I think, Chris, that it's one ticket per member. I think. Um, but maybe contact the club and, and just clarify that. Maybe someone else in the chat can clarify that for you. Okay, um, let's take a little um, look at the chat box. Comdean says... If Charlie Patino is going to be our party successor, then who are your leading candidates for the Xhaka spot? Mine are Orkun Kokchu, Enzo Lefei, not Fernandez, and Quadio Kone. So first of all, I've got to start on the on the beginning bit. Charlie Patino for me is not a party successor. That's my opinion. Um, you know, I think that. Thomas Partey, yes, he's a great passer of the ball, a great progressor of the ball, and he's someone who can break lines very, very quickly. But he's also incredibly effective defensively. He cuts out passing channels. He steps into the right places at the right times. He reads the intentions of the opponent very often and then places himself into really good areas. And that is something that I'm sure he developed quite a bit working under Diego Simeone, one of the best defensive coaches world football's arguably ever seen. When you look at what he's achieved with that Atletico side, uh, with a relatively, I'm not going to say modest budget, but obviously less money than, than Barcelona and Real Madrid, who have been the two powerhouses of Spanish football for so long. You've got to give him immense credit. I just don't see, Comdine, uh, Charlie Patino as the successor there. Charlie Patino, for me, He's a creative. He's a, a much more advanced midfielder. I'd argue he's more of an eight than a six. And so I don't think he really fits into Thomas Partey's position, if I'm being honest with you. I think his attacking instinct, Charlie Patino, and his instinct in terms of being able to see a pass and, and understand how things might play out. I think his attacking instinct is stronger than his defensive one. And, and because 
I believe that his defensive one is, I don't want to go as far as saying non-existent, but very, you know, very, uh, how do I put this? He's not a defensive-minded player for me, Charlie Patino. He's He hasn't got that instinct to be able to play in that position. The reason people like Thomas Partey are so rare and are so important and are so effective is because he has got both of those abilities. He's got the ability to get forward and get into the right areas. He's got the ability to spot a pass and break lines quickly. He's got the ability to execute those passes. He's also got that calmness and composure when sitting in front of the back four, but he has the defensive instinct and the ability to position himself well to go alongside that. So I don't think Charlie Patino uh, fits in that box. I don't know an awful lot about the players that you've mentioned, so I won't, um, you know, I won't go too much uh, sort of into that bit. But um, thank you for the question. Brilliant question. Um, I mentioned the Kieran Tierney piece that is dropping tomorrow. Um, and uh, and I've seen that the comment I made whilst introducing that has uh, is the word irritate you people in the chat. I don't know. Archangel says, because um, I said the gap in quality. He said it's not a gap in quality between KT and Zinchenko. It's just that the team is built to suit Zinchenko and not Kieran Tierney. Okay, I agree with that to a point and I agree with that to a degree. Anyway, if you're a member, uh, you'll be able to listen into my full thoughts tomorrow. But when I say the difference in quality, I'm talking about the way one uses the ball in comparison to the other. And there is a clear gap in quality there. Now, some people will argue Zinchenko is a midfielder, really, by trade. That's what it was brought up as. And maybe that's why... He's got that superior quality on the ball. But for me, the fact that he has got that superior quality is undeniable. It's an undeniable fact. I really do believe that. But anyway, let's uh, let's take uh, it on. Uh, Nuances of Fate says, uh, do you think we need a replacement for Sambi? I don't think he's cut out for this level. Spoke about Sambi post the Oxford game quite a bit. I think he's lacking in confidence. I think he is struggling to find his place in this team. I think the system doesn't help him. And I'll explain the reasons. I feel that in just a second for those of you that maybe haven't listened to recent podcasts. But I was talking to Tom Canton about this on the Guna Talk yesterday. And I guess the best way of summing it up is that for me, Sambi Lakonga is a centre midfielder that is suited for a 4-4-2. I talked about Charlie Patino not having that defensive instinct and that if I had to categorize him as a type of midfielder I'd put him more towards the attacking midfielder category than I would the defensive midfield one Sambi Lakonga I think is is in the middle I think he, he falls somewhere in the middle a bit like your traditional midfielders as I say that used to back in the day playing four four twos they had to be able to get forward and support they had to be able to make runs beyond the forward line at times and contribute in that way but they also had to be switched on defensively when they needed to be and that doesn't mean that you need to be the best defender, like the toughest tackler or anything like that. But you just need to have that ability to make sure you're in the right positions. And I think Sambi Lakonga does like to start from deep and has a bit of that sort of defensive element because of his starting position. But, you know, ultimately, I don't think he's completely comfortable when he's in the final third either. So I feel like he's one of those more traditionalist 4-4-2 midfielders and because we play with a six quite clearly and two eights quite clearly, I think that's a problem for him. I think we're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. And as I said, I think his confidence is damaged. So I think the combination of those things is a problem for him. 
And I think the best solution for, for Sambi Lekonga would be now to go out on loan, um, get some more minutes under his belt, rebuild that confidence that he had when he came to the club. It was clear for everybody to see. Um, and then only then I think he can go on to showcase the talent that I, I really do believe he has. Just a quick reminder, there's about 400 of you with me right now in the live chat, uh, but we've only got 100 likes on the board. So come on, let's get that up to a couple of hundred sooner rather than later. Remember, if you've got any questions, chuck them in the chat and I will get through as many uh, of them as I possibly can. Um, Samson says, how are you, Harry? Pray that we're not dying. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Because of a lack of signings, the Mudrick issues have been dragged too far. This is the thing though, mate, Like, and I agree with you. You know, I, I, I've said for a while this is going to rumble on and on and on and on, so be prepared for it. Don't be uh, shocked by it. It is what it is, okay? This is this is how it goes. This is how it was always going to go. Arsenal will tell you that if Mihailo Mudrik is the right man, he's the man worth waiting for. And and I, I believe that. I really do. I think if you are set on a target, if you believe that, the, you know, the, um, that he's the right player, then you play the long game and you get him, even if it's on the last day of the window. And the reason I say that, this is another thing, right, that people don't seem to realise. People keep saying to me, yeah, but look at our upcoming fixtures. We've got Spurs away on the weekend and then we play Manchester United and we take on City in the Cup later on in the month and all of that. And they look at our next fixtures and they say, these are really tough fixtures. That's why we need to get this deal done today. Let me tell you something. Shakhtar Donetsk are not in their season right now. They're going over to Turkey for a pre-season training camp, um, which, uh, which of course, uh, Mihailo Mudrik is a part of. He's not match fit. He is not match fit. In fact, he's nowhere near it. He's not match fit. He's not match sharp. Plus, there'll be issues that need to be sorted legally, paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. He's going to need to come in and have a few training sessions before he's thrown into the mix. The likelihood of Mikhailo Mudrik, even if we sign him tomorrow morning, coming into the side, then impacting the games coming up. And when I say games coming up, I'm talking about the next three, four, five games is zero. It's not going to happen. So whether you get it done tomorrow or whether you get it done at the end of the month, okay, the quicker you do it, the quicker he's involved and the quicker he's a part of the squad and gets up to speed and all that. But it isn't going to help us specifically with this group of fixtures. So if your only reasoning behind panicking right now 
about the fact that it's not done is because you feel like we need him for these upcoming fixtures. I can tell you with a lot of chest um, that that is not going to make the slightest bit of difference in our next three, four fixtures. Luke AFC says, evening, Harry, how are the nerves for the North London derby? Not sure about you, but it's the least nervous I've been for an away trip to Spurs. Not sure if it's because we're fighting for different things this year. Luke, I'm okay at the moment, but it's Wednesday. Come Thursday night, it will start to settle uh, settle in. It will start to kick in. It will start to play on my mind. The truth is, mate, that regardless of the two forms, uh, the two sides in their form, I should say, I never feel confident going away to Spurs. We, we've been beaten there in recent years way too many times. I went there last year uh, quite confident that we could get something and it just all went to shit very early on. And from then on, it was a horrible place to be and it was a horrible environment. And, you know, yeah. So I can't be confident going away to Spurs. I guess the only thing that I'm thinking right now, my kind of initial thought about the game and remember it, we'll preview the game properly later on in the week. I'm going to be joined actually on Friday uh, by the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Stavrou at 12.30 lunchtime. We're going to uh, we're going to be breaking it down. Uh, he hasn't been on the podcast for a while. He's been super busy, but we're going to get uh, into it. The only kind of encouraging thought I've got right now, aside from the obvious, like Arsenal have been better than them this season, blah, 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 is that we tend to like to start games quick and they tend to start games really slowly. But that means nothing if we don't take advantage of any early dominance. We need to put teams to the sword. We saw it against Newcastle, started the game really well, created three chances, I think, within the first 10, 12 minutes. Didn't take a single one and then the game changes and the pattern gets set and it becomes difficult then uh, to break those types of sides down. Spurs will have an attacking threat. They've got too many good attacking players to not have that. They'll have the fans behind them. The atmosphere there will be intimidating. It will be a cauldron. And Antonio Conte will be looking at that as a game that he looks at and says, well, this could really kickstart us, couldn't it? You know, if we win the North London derby. It's a fixture whereby the home team, especially in recent years, has tended to come out on top. And so I can't go into it confident. But am I less worried than I might have been in previous years? I think that's probably also fair to say. Uh, Thank you for the question, mate. Okay, uh, Don Saki says, why is the club not looking to strengthen the midfield, especially the central defensive midfield position? I don't know that they're not. And this is this is the thing, right? Arsenal like to work in the shadows where they can. They like to work in the shadows. There are situations and there have been situations in recent years where they're interested in a player has gone public. And sometimes that will be driven by the club. Sometimes the club will feed that information out into the media. And at other times, they will be frustrated by the fact that certain information has got out into the media. And often, as a a very well-known TV reporter told me recently, often the people that put these deals out into the public domain and the people that brief journalists tend to be agents and intermediaries, people who stand to gain financially from the completion of those deals. So, you know, it, it's it's it could be that just nothing's come out yet. It could be that Arsenal are actively looking to strengthen that position. I think for us, that's a really important position because I think the drop-off between our first-choice midfield and the rest is really, really significant. And that was my big concern, one of my big concerns 
after a number of games this season. And again, it sort of resurfaced after the performance at Oxford, especially in the first half and prior to the uh, inc- uh, introduction of Granit Xhaka and, and Alexander Zinchenko. So what I'm trying to say, mate, is that I don't know that Arsenal aren't looking to strengthen the midfield. Sometimes silence, uh, you know, is uh, is a good thing. And sometimes we just don't know what's going on. I'd be shocked if Mikel Arteta didn't feel, having watched that midfield on numerous occasions so far this season, didn't feel that a change need was needed or that an addition was needed. But anyway, let's take it on. Um, lots of Mudrick questions. Is the Mudrick thing ever going to happen? <laughs> uh, Mario Romano says, if we don't get Mudrick, who do we go and get as we're all... As we're leaving our eggs all in one basket in a window where we need depth. Again, I mentioned earlier on, you know, I, I can't sit here and reel off a load of names of players that we should be getting and uh, and putting them in an order and, and sort of ticking them off as we go through them and seeing which one we end up with. We do need depth, but Mikel Arteta quite likes working with a small squad for a number of reasons that we've discussed in, in previous episodes. But also... He's worked so bloody hard to change the culture at this football club. He's worked so hard to root out certain people. He's worked so hard to um, to create this winning culture and this culture whereby there is a real unity within the football club. Funds are not unlimited at Arsenal. We know that. And we've talked about the fact that at some point, probably in the not-too-distant future, KSE are going to want to make things profitable again. KSE are going to want to balance their books. KSC are going to want to see return on the, their investment. But that that doesn't... But the the way they do that is by spending it wisely. The way they do that is by spending it on the right people and being very clever about the decisions they make. And you can say it's putting your eggs in one basket. I would say it's being sure about someone, making them your target. And even if you have to wait a little bit to get them, at least you get your man. You know, I I always think back to that window that Unai Emery had. The first, was it the first one? No, the second one. After his first season in charge. And, you know, we wanted Zaha and, you know, we thought about doing that and couldn't come to an agreement with Crystal Palace. We couldn't get them to accept the, the structure of payment that we wanted. And Unai Emery clearly liked Wilfred Zaha, but, you know, in the end, the club couldn't get that done. And so they served him up with, uh, and Nicolas Pepe uh, for a main course. And and look how that turned out. So I think what we've learned from the past is that if you're set on someone, then you go all the way with it and you back them and you back yourself that you've made the right decision and you make that deal happen. And if it takes a bit longer sometimes, so be it. But you still get the right one as opposed to getting the wrong one or as opposed to compromising on the quality because you just need a deal done now. Okay. Um. Oh shit! Uh, sound is on. It's not muted. Was that when I was playing that video? I thought I muted it afterwards. Maybe I didn't. Uh, Coon says uh, I jinxed the Felix deal. <laughs> oh man! Um, no, you didn't jinx it. Chelsea just been um, just been Chelsea, ain't they? Watch what we do. Look at who we like, and then go and gazump us financially. <laughs> Uh, by the way, though, that that Jao Felix deal for Chelsea is horrendous. It's really bad. It just doesn't work out for them whatsoever. Uh, Louis says, what steps did you take for your career path? How do you recommend 
someone get into your field of work? Maybe we'll do a podcast on that one day because I get asked this question quite a bit. But, you know, in a nutshell, because obviously we've got loads of questions to get through. Um, feel free to message me, by the way, um, on Twitter, whatever. Uh, DM me if you want any more information. But basically, you got to put yourself out there. You know, you got to knock on doors. you got to be prepared to have a lot of doors stand in your face. But if it is your passion and if it is what you really want to do, then I believe you can do it. You know, I'm proof that you can change your career. Got a long way to go. I'm nowhere near where I want to be. There's so many things I want to do and I want to get to and and I want to achieve. And that motivates me further. But just to be able to make it a career is is amazing. And um, and my journey is not the, the conventional journey. I, I had a podcast uh, with a couple of friends. Um, I, I've realized or was told by a few people that it was too Arsenal-centric because I'm an Arsenal fan despite being a general podcast. So I kind of branched off and, and set up my own one, um, wrote a book, wrote a book about the Arsenal, followed the 17-18 season, Arsene Wenger's last in charge. And I wrote a book about that season, published that, had it published, put it out into the public domain. And then the podcast was born from there. And the, this podcast has been the the kind of hub for me. Everything I've been able to do or had an opportunity to do is come off the back of this podcast. Really enjoyed doing commentary. Always wanted to do that since I was really, really young. Began practicing, got a few opportunities, was really lucky. And and now I'm I'm lucky enough to be able to do that a lot more regularly. But yeah, if you want any advice, if you want to speak about anything, feel free to DM me on one of the social media platforms and and I will respond eventually. <laughs> um, Lynn says, uh, there are rumours today that Milinkovic-Savic is coming to Arsenal in Jan. Have you heard that, Harry? I've actually heard that Milinkovic-Savic is probably going to sign a new contract with Lazio, that he's being told by his agent not to because they're trying to pull up. His agent saying he won't publicly because they're trying to drive a better deal. Um, you know, there's also talk in Italy that Milinkovic Savic might sign a contract extension with Lazio to strengthen their position in terms of, you know, maybe going into negotiations, but that there will be some kind of agreement behind the scenes where if a certain price is, is met, they will allow him to go and let him move on. Milinkovic Savage, I adore the player. I think he'd be a great signing, but I just don't see it happening, Lynn. Um, not now and, and probably not even in the summer, if I'm being honest, which is a shame because I really, really like him. Okay. Um, what else have we got? Um, yep. Uh, Nav's mentioned the Sergei Milinkovic um, uh, Savage stuff as well. Uh, Wilson says, which positions do Arsenal need to fill in the January transfer window? For me, there's two. For me, there's two that you really need to um, you really need to look at. You need to look at the forward line. And if it's someone that's versatile and can play anywhere across it, great, happy days. You need someone in that defensive midfield position as well, for me. Um Maybe you look at a centre midfielder that can play the six role, but can also play as an eight. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's um, that's how I look at it. Those are the two positions for me. So centre of midfield and in the attack, those are the two priorities for me. Uh, Eric Welch says, what's your favourite live Arsenal moment you've ever seen when you were at the game? I'm from the USA, so I haven't got to see the Arsenal yet. But one day, I'm sure you'll get there one day, mate. And, uh, and when you do, make sure you give us a shout. It'd be great uh, to meet you. 
Um, my favourite Arsenal moment live. Oh man, it's tough because there have been a few. Um, I wasn't really lucky enough to go as much when we were at Highbury. Um, and obviously I was a lot younger. I did go when we were at Highbury, but not every game like I go now um, and have done for, for probably the last decade, maybe a bit longer. Um, so, yeah, you know, those moments for me were great at Highbury, but obviously I'm more of an Emirates era kind of guy in terms of me actually going myself to games. Um, as a fan, the greatest moments were, were winning the league at Old Trafford, winning the league at White Hart Lane. Um, you know, th those two incredible moments. Emirates time, it's weird because what I would categorise as some of my best moments are probably not ones that really led to anything. So I always remember that Danny Welbeck goal against Leicester and the way the place went mad when we thought we were going to bloody win the league. That was unbelievable scenes. I remember the, our shaving goal against Barcelona in the Champions League there as well. That was incredible too. Lots of North London derby wins. Yeah, hard to pinpoint one. I need to have a good think about this and I'll come back to you on another show uh, with a better answer because you caught me a little bit off guard there, but really, really good question. Um, so many, so many amazing moments. So many amazing moments. Uh, Maximus on the Mudrick thing says, how are we paying 85 million for a player who is 22 and has only played 29 league games in the worst league in football? Is it the worst league in football? Can you say that? Like, where is that come from? I don't I don't really think you can say that. Um, but I agree with you that the price is crazy. It's way over the top. And that's been my that's been my um my reservation, shall we say, about the whole Mudrick thing from the get-go. Deflected Mind says, uh, Harry, everything has been going good for us since uh in let me reread these. I should read these before I, because I always get stuck. Uh, that's sometimes you guys' fault as well, though, for the way you type them out. Uh, Harry, everything has been going good for us in the last few months. Basing on how the club is developing, do you think we can stay as challengers for more years to come? If the recruitment's right, we can. Because what we're building is not just a team for today, but we're building a team for tomorrow as well. Wow, that sounds really PR-ish, doesn't it? But basically... You look at people like Gabriel Saliba, that could be our centre-back partnership for the next five, seven years. You know, you look at people like Ben White, Aaron Ramsdale, they can be long-term uh, players. You look at, all right, Partey, a bit later on in his career, same with Granit Xhaka, but Martin Odegaard, very young, Martinelli, Saka. Jesus is only 25. He's got another good six, seven years in him. So you feel like the foundations are being built, not just for instant success, but for sustainable long-term success. And if you continue to recruit right, you continue to bring players through right, you continue to have a, an innovative coach, then there's no reason why we can't continue. Arsenal being competitive is all I'm after, right? I look at the Premier League and how difficult it is to win, and I'm not deluded enough to think that we have a divine right to win it. You know, I look at Liverpool and the team that Jurgen Klopp built over all those years, and he's only won the Premier League once. Jurgen Klopp will probably leave Liverpool and you will look back at him and people will say Jurgen Klopp was one of the greatest managers the Premier League ever saw. And other people will say, yeah, but you know what, mate? He only won the league once. Which highlights that even if you build a near perfect team, if you're coming up against 
the likes of a Manchester City under Pep Guardiola in the modern era, your chances of winning the league are still quite small. So I, I just want Arsenal to be competitive again. I just want Arsenal to be in the conversation again. I want Arsenal to be regulars in the Champions League, Europe's premier competition. I want us to be dining at the table of Europe's elite. That's what I want. If we go on and win things in addition to that, that's an incredible bonus and you enjoy it. No football club has the divine right to win things. You love it when it happens. You love it when it comes along. But for me, it's about being sustainably competitive. And and that's that's what I'm looking for today. If we do that, then the next step is to be winning much more regularly. But, you know, there's only a limited amount of trophies in football. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Mark says, Harry, what comes first? Arsenal completing the Mudrick deal or you having your first barbecue of the year? Considering I'm thinking of having one on Saturday, uh, Mark, because I'm not working as far as I know at the moment. <laughs> I think the barbecue is going to come first, mate. I really do. I really do. So I'll keep you guys up to date on it um, right here on YouTube. <laughs> Listen, apologies if I'm skipping through some uh, some um, some questions. There's so many. I'm just picking them at random at the moment. Uh, Paul says, Harry, big up yourself. Hit the likes, people. Help a brother out. Let's check out where we are on the likes. 169. Nearly 500 of you with us. We should have at least 250 at the absolute minimum. So start leaving a like on the video. Uh, Jashar says, Harry, hope you're well. Will you be doing the live commentaries again or have you moved on from that now? Do you mean here? Um, I'm working uh, on commentaries for, for various media outlets at the moment. Um, if you're talking about watch-alongs that we were doing on here, they're really difficult for me to do, Jashar, just because I'm at most of the games at the moment. It is... It is tough. Um, you know, maybe when the Europa League kicks back in and we've got some away games, uh, the ones that I don't get out to, then I, I, I'll maybe do them if that's what you guys want. But yeah, it's just about fitting it in the schedule. It's not that I don't enjoy them. I, I really do. But I am working at weekends as a commentator slash reporter uh, on the radio. So it's making it difficult for me to be around to do these uh, as well. What else have we got in the chat? Uh, Stephen says, Harry, mate, you're a star. Reach your goals. You deserve it. Checks in the post. Thank you so much, mate. Um, really appreciate it. Really, really do. Honestly, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's an honour to have such an amazing community in and around the podcast. Um, yeah, it's, it's humbling. It really, really is. Gunner Scout says, are you disappointed not to see us link with Frank Kessie? He seems to be available for a super low fee. And in my opinion, we need a midfielder of his quality this January if we want to compete for the title. I wanted Frank Kessie before he went to Barcelona. And I know that he's not been there an awful long time. And I know that the, the time at Barcelona shouldn't define him. If the price was right, I would do this. You're right to, to highlight him. I think that's a really good point. If the price is right, I think he could be a good fit. Watched a lot of him for Milan. Um, sort of watching Italian football the way I do. Um, and yeah, you know, it would be, it would be, um, it would be an option I'd consider if that were a possibility for sure. Uh, I love this. People know all about my, uh, my barbecues because Stephen says, save me a burger, Harry. And then Mark says, Stephen, Harry doesn't do burgers, just nice lamb and chicken. I do pork as well. 
Um, I'll have to decide what to do at the weekend. I haven't got to that point yet. Too much work to even think about the weekend at the moment. Jesus. Uh, but nice one. <laughs> right, guys, look, I am going to leave it there. We've been going for around about 50 or so minutes just under that. Um, yeah, looking uh, looking forward to hopefully bringing you guys some further updates on this Mudrick stuff in the not too distant future. Uh, looking forward to catching up with you all again soon. Thank you so, so much for uh, your support, for tuning in to this uh, impromptu last minute mainly Q&A podcast. Thank you so, so much. I really do appreciate it. Um, literally decided to do this one half an hour before I set the stream up. So um, I know it was really short notice. I know people didn't see it coming necessarily, but to get up to these kind of numbers live is, is amazing. So thank you. Uh, and I will speak to you all uh, very soon. We will be back tomorrow. It'll be around about 4 or 5 p.m. We'll be doing the sort of late afternoon, evening uh, slot and then of course on Friday uh, we begin our build up to the North London Derby which of course takes place on Sunday myself and Mike Stavry will be here uh, to talk you through our thoughts and feelings on that one uh, also uh, just a quick reminder if you haven't done so already and you fancy it uh, you can sign up to the Chronicles of Aguna on the Another Slice platform You'll be supporting the podcast. You'll be supporting me to live my dream, basically. Uh, you'll be supporting the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, whom we're making donations to uh, from our membership pot. And you'll get access to our premium content. All you need to do is visit anotherslice.com slash Chronicles of Aguna. Create your account using the option on the top right-hand side of the page. Log in with that account. Subscribe uh, to the Chronicles of Aguna for £6 a month, and you will get access to lots of premium content lots over the past week and the next bit drops tomorrow it's a a piece on uh, Kieran Tierney and Alexander Zinchenko comparing the pair um and uh yeah I think it's one you're going to find interesting so uh do check it out if you haven't done so already thank you all so much I will see you soon goodbye I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.